I have the privilege of, of doing the, the third one, which is uh, we all need a, a Nathan. And this year, we were looking at relationship. We were looking at growing as a disciple. And one of the key things we said that we needed was key people in our lives. Some of those people we choose. Some people are brought into our lives. And they are a gift either way from God, whether we choose them or whether they come into our lives. But these people are there to help us. They're there to help us grow. So Sarah the other week did a Deborah and then uh, Ben did a Jonathan. If you haven't listened, I encourage you to go online and listen. But I have the privilege of doing, doing, <laughs> explaining about a Nathan. Now you may say, well, I don't know any Nathans, okay? Or I don't want to know a Nathan. But I just want you to listen to this morning, hopefully get across the heart of God of why this kind of character is important in your life. If you've got one of these people in your life, they are here to help you to grow, Do you know those people who kind of come into your life and they tell you, and you know they're right, but you just don't want to admit they're right? Do you know those people? For people that are married, usually it's your spouse. And you're like, you know they're right, but I'm not going to admit it. I'm not going to admit it, I'm not. And you'll you'll hang out as long as you can, won't you, until you actually humble yourself a little bit and realise that actually what they're saying is right and I need to admit and humble myself a little bit and show a bit of humility and accept it with gritty teeth that they're right. Nathan's a little bit like this. He's the person who comes into your life to tell you what is right, what is good, and what you need to hear, but it's not always the most comfortable. Is that better, babe? I've been moving around. She's trying to take a photo of me. But um, they're not always the most comfortable, are they? They irritate you a little bit, but it's for your benefit. Nathan's that kind of character who comes into your life to help you, wants the best for you, to tell you the truth, but we don't always like them when we're being told, do we? And I want to encourage you to have that attitude, have that heart in your life, have that teachability where actually you're prepared to allow somebody in your life who who might irritate you a little bit at times, but will actually tell you the truth. I'm not talking about the people that irritate you all the time, who are not trying to help you. They are different types of people. You've got some of them as well, haven't you? Mostly saying you don't know who I work with or who I live with or whoever, right? We won't go there. But here's the deal. I'm not talking about the ones that irritate you um, just to annoy you. I'm talking about the people that just scratch something under the surface and tell you what's right to help you grow. Who want the best for you, who believe in you. So let's look at Nathan because I think Nathan is somebody who David needed. If we just look at um, 2 Samuel, chapter 7, and we can learn a little bit about Nathan. Does anybody want a Nathan? Come on, we all need a Nathan. If we're to grow, as a, if we're to follow Jesus and to develop as a disciple, we need the whole of what God's got for us. We can't just pick and choose. Anybody like pick and mix? Right? When you go for a pick and mix, what do you do? You go along and you find the ones that you like, don't you? Mine are chocolate white mice, by the way. Anybody chocolate white mice? Okay, chocolate white mice, I love them. The girls get a pick and mix. Now what they do is, they always put a couple in for me. Cha-ching, I have trained them well. Pink ones, not so keen on white mice. But this is what we do. As, as people, we go, I'll pick what I want in my life to suit me. And God's like, no, I need to give you the whole mix. I need to give you the jelly babies. I need to give you the cola cubes. I need to give it all because it's good for you. You can't play pick and mix at this game. You have to have the full shebang if you want to follow Jesus. Am I making sense? And I know you like white mice like me, 
But sometimes you need a bit of licorice. Who invented that stuff? See, there's some who like, some are insane. They like licorice. And Nathan's a little bit like a licorice. Or if you don't like white mice, he's a white mouse in your room. So let's look at Nathan. I think he gets a bit of bad press, actually, because if you hear the heart behind him, I think there's more to him than that. So let's go to 2 Samuel 7, and let's read a little bit. It says, After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in your mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. And I'm going to stop there and just talk a little bit before we go on to the next bit. You know, at this point, what happened in David's life, David, we know him as a shepherd. You know the story. He, he comes from a shepherd boy watching his sheep. He takes on Goliath. He defeats Goliath. He see a great victory, Israel do. And then he, he goes on to be king. There's more to it than that. But he goes on to be king, and he, and he sees great victory for Israel. And at this point, he's seen great victory, and he is top man. He's kingpin. He can do whatever he wants in that land, and there's nobody else really who can tell him what to do. So he's, he's, one day he's settled in the palace, and he's looking around, and he's thinking, wow, God has given me amazing victory. And he looks, and he notices the Ark of the Covenant, that the, the Ark where God's presence dwelt, which when they took with them, they got victory after victory, because God was with them. God's presence was with them. And David knew, he understood when he was a shepherd boy, that God was with him, and he could fight wolves, and he could fight animal bears. He, he understood, and he understood that it wasn't in him, but his victory had come from God. And he got these amazing victories, and he sat in the palace, amazing place that he built for himself, and realized, in a minute, this isn't right. God needs a palace as well, which sounds very honorable, doesn't it? Do you agree that we want to honor God? We want to lift God's name up and give him a palace. So David says, I want to do this. Nathan then says, do whatever's on your mind, David. He knew that God was with him. He'd seen David get great victories. He knew that God's presence was with him and whatever David planned in his mind to do, he could do it no problem at all. And Nathan comes to him and says, David, just go for it and do it. Don't we like those people? Don't you want one of those people in your life that says, come on, you can do it. Come on, get up. I know you're feeling tired. I know you've been knocked, back, knocked down, but it's time to get up. Don't we need one of those people? And sometimes Nathan gets a bad press because of the next thing that he does later on. But I want to encourage you, if you're finding a Nathan, you need somebody who's going to encourage you first. You need them with a heart that is for you. And you say, well, I don't know who those people are. Well, I'd encourage you to do this. Become that person for somebody else then. Don't wait for a Nathan. Become a Nathan for somebody else. And I, I, that's just, I think Ben said it the other week about Jonathan becoming the, the other character and don't just wait for them. And I want to encourage you, in this, Nathan, first of all, was an encourager of David. He wasn't a prophet of doom, right? He wasn't the person who comes to find fault with him. I want to hold you to account to this, David. You're not doing... He's not that kind of person. He's a person who has a heart for David. He loves David, and he wants to encourage David. And that's what we need in the church. We need people who come to encourage Friday night, youth was amazing, people volunteering. What does that do? It encourages people, lift something up. 
I mean, 260 people, kids jumping around and having a great time, a message, gospel, people making decisions for Jesus. That encourages me. That's why we're here, to see kids. Then people standing up. Does anybody want to follow Jesus like they've never followed him before, basically? And then kids stood up, one, two, three, four. That encourages me. And that's what we need in the church. We want some people who are going to encourage. Nathan was an encourager. So when you look for your Nathan, you want to see and find somebody who encourages you. Now, I know I said they'll get under your skin, but behind all of that, you need their heart, which is for you. Am I making sense? And Nathan was somebody who encouraged. What else can we see from this? Nathan didn't say to David, I want your throne. Nathan was not a kind of person who really wanted the power. Nathan was not somebody who thought he knew best. Nathan was not somebody who wanted the position. He wasn't in it for personal benefit. Nathan was somebody who simply did this. And these people I know are the best people that you can find in your world. They do this. They empower you. Nathan empowered David. He did not control David with what he said. He said to David, whatever's on your mind, David, do it. Wow. That's an empowering person who comes to you, doesn't try and control and manipulate what you are doing with your life, but gives you the freedom to think for yourself and make a decision and take responsibility and be empowered. Nathans are empowering people. Don't we want empowering people in the church? Don't we want encouraging people in the church? Encouraging, empowering. Nathans are encouraging, empowering people. I want an encouraging person in my life. I know I have some. It's taken me some years to learn some wisdom on how to choose them, but I know I have some. I know I have people who empower me, who get into my world and make me make, think about myself and make decisions rather than trying to control me and manipulate me and take the power off me. I think we need some encouraging people in the church. Can I hear some encouraging people? Can I hear some empowering people? And you may say, well, I don't feel empowered. Well, today's your day to get empowered then. Today's your day to understand that you can decide how you live your life. You can decide, I'm going to be like David and be empowered. I'm going to find somebody who is empowering me rather than taking the power off me. And that might be in your own mind, or it might be somebody you have a relationship with and you need to snip off. Can we do that in church? No, Mike's nodding for me. So Nathans are encouragers, and Nathans are empowerers. They're empowerers. They don't take it off you. And I think that's what God wants to do in this world. He wants to equip us and empower us to make decisions and to be a representation of him in this world in the best way that we can about the message and what he has for this world. But we're not here to take that off people. Nathan does not come to David and tell him, I don't like your idea. I think you should do it my way. He doesn't do that. He allows David to make the mistakes himself. Well, the next thing that Nathan actually does, can we get back to that scripture? It says this. He says, whatever you have in your mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. Empowering, encouraging attitude from Nathan. And then it says this, but that night... There's somebody who's a little bit bigger than Nathan, okay? That night, 
I wonder what this night was like for him. <laughs> that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell David, my, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? Have I not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day? Have I been moving from place to place with a tent for, as my dwelling? Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, Israel why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David... This is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut, you, cut off all your enemies from before you. Now, I love this. You think he's almost going to get a telling off, but watch what God does, right? God's way bigger than anything in this world. Watch this. He says, now I will make your name great. In other words, you're not going to make my name great. I'm the one it will make my name great, and I'll make your name great. Talk about encouragement. Talk about empowerment. Like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore. God does something for Nathan here, and I think this really bonds them together. Bit of a bit of a side thing. I think this really bonds them together for then next encounter that I'm going to look at in a moment. Because what happens here is this. Nathan himself, not only is an encourager and an empowerer, but he's also somebody who is teachable himself. He's also somebody who makes mistakes. Nathans make mistakes. In other words, if you choose somebody in your life who is encouraging and empowering, they're not God and they will make mistakes. So don't elevate them up as perfect, you know, people who never make mistakes. Nathan, who heard from God, made mistakes. Why does he make a mistake? Because he just does it from his own heart. He doesn't do it from hearing the voice of God. And God's voice was way bigger and God's wisdom was far greater than what Nathan knew. And God had a different plan and a different purpose for this earth. And God has to come and change the way they're going. Nathan submits to God, and then Nathan goes to David, and again, they submit to uh, one another, and we see that they don't build that. Am I making sense this morning? So just a bit of a side thing, you choose a Nathan in your life, or you become a Nathan, you're not God. We must always go back to the word of God and align our lives up with what he says, his purposes, and his plans. We are not God. He is God, and he's the one who edits us. He's the one who changes us. He's the one who has a plan and a purpose for all our lives. We're not the one. We're not God, and we should not be God for people. We should be people who encourage and empower, and we're going to go on to the next word now, which is this. Nathan's edit. Anybody ever get one of them documents, right? You get them annoying documents. They come through, and they say, read only. Uh, uh, am I making sense? You get a document, it's usually one of them, I don't know what they are. It's a Word document or it's, what's the other one? Um, Adobe, what? PDF, right? You get a PDF and you send it through and they say, can you just sort this document? And it comes through and it says, read only, yeah? And you're like, I can't edit it. It doesn't edit. And then you know what you have to do. You have to save it, don't you? And then you can edit it, right? Nathan is somebody who comes to edit people. He's sent with a voice. He's sent with... The heart of God, 
to editors. Let's read 2 Samuel. Here's a second encounter that Nathan has with David. And I think their first encounter, Nathan slightly getting it wrong, David getting it wrong, making mistakes. I think they built a level of trust through their mistakes that actually further down the line now, when another mistake is made, they're able to help each other and trust each other because they went through something before, making sense. I want to encourage you in a relationship, to be building relationships, mistakes will be made, but don't give up on the first problem. Get through the first difficulty so that you can go deeper and form a deeper level of trust later on. I think that's great. So let's look at this one. This is later on. There's another problem. Let's have a look. The problem here is David's been a little bit naughty. Got an eye for the ladies. He's the king. He can do whatever he wants. I want that woman. So he decides one day, get me that woman, and I'll have that woman just to satisfy my, you know, gratify my own flesh, and I want that woman. He has the woman, and he sleeps with the woman, but his sin finds him out. She gets pregnant, and he's like, how am I going to deal with this one? Let's kill her husband. So he sends him to the front line, the army, and he gets killed through David's instruction. And it says, the previous verse to this, God was displeased with David. Nothing is hidden from God. So on this occasion, David, his heart, his attitude is going down a wrong path. It's a little bit like Saul previously. The heart's not good. Nathans are concerned about the king's heart. They're interested not in position, not in power, not in, not in them getting money or anything like that. They're interested in one thing, and that is God's plan and God's purpose and his heart for people. So Nathan comes knocking on his door, and this is what happens. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb. Ah, oh. we were watching Sean the sheep this morning when we got up. Anybody like Sean the sheep? No, you should watch, it's great. It's funny in that because the, the sheep don't get lost. The bloke gets the movie. The bloke gets lost and they all go after him. But anyway, let's get back on track. A ewe lamb he had brought. It says, he raised it and he grew up with him and his children. It shared his food and drank from his cup and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Oh, isn't that nice? Now a traveler came to the rich man. But the rich man refrained from talking taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who came, had come Sorry, who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man, isn't it naughty, and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man who had said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you, I don't know if he says it like this, you're the man, right? He says to David, you're the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you the king over Israel and I delivered you from the land of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too, too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah 
the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. So, what an incident that is, isn't it? So this is where Nathan turns up again. This is Nathan's job with David here, which is to edit David. David's going down the wrong path, and Nathan's job is to come and say, do you know what? I don't think this is good. You know those people in your life that you need when you go in a path that's not good for you? You need someone to say, hey, how are you doing? I don't think this is the right path for you. Not that they're controlling but they empower you to think more about what's best for you. Is this the best thing for you? We're going to look at how you do that in a moment. But Nathan's, they encourage, they empower, and they edit. We like the first two. (laughs) The third one gives us a little bit of an itch, okay? But are we okay with having itches? Yeah? Are we okay with that? I cut my head yesterday. It's more of an itch. Can you see that? Sorry, Friday, and I came to this youth thing, and if 10 people asked me, 1,000 people asked me on Friday night, although there was only 206 here, what have I done with my head, right? It wasn't very nice. It was uncomfortable. Itches can be uncomfortable, can't they? Anybody had chicken pox? They, they, They itch, and they don't stop. Listen, those people that come into your life need to get under and itch under your skin a little bit so that what's good for you and what's beneficial for you, you are on track with your life. And I want to encourage you to have a Nathan in your life. So I want to look at how Nathan does this. So I think this can help you help somebody else, but also you can allow somebody else to help you. So what does Nathan do? First thing that Nathan does is this. He gets under your skin. He's a... When... Um, our first girl was born, Grace. She, um, she, she, she was very slow on coming out, wasn't she? I think she took, she was breached, that was it, right? I get the word right. She was breached, okay? She's wrong way around, she wouldn't come out. So eventually, Sarah had to have a cesarean. Now, I don't mind that stuff, okay? I'm quite, I, I like watching it on the tally, right? Some people aren't, so I do apologize if this might be, be a bit squeamish for you now, okay? So just put your fingers in your ears, okay? And just nod at me. But you know, I, I went, Sarah went, and they set her all up, right? I'm not gonna show what position she was in, but she was all set up, right? And they had this, they had this green screen, like, in front, and, and I could go and sit next to it. So I'd got my little cap thing on, as you do, and your green gown, and my Crocs, man. I'm like, I want these Crocs, take these with me, sorry. And, I, and, I, and I'm sitting down, and I'm behind this screen, and as I walked in, I saw them put this, it's like a orange stuff over a belly, right? They rubbed it on, and I'm like, oh, well, watch this. And I'm saying, Sarah, they're rubbing orange things. She's like, I don't want to, I don't want to. She's like, she's gone like gray, right? She, she's, she's gray. She's all ready, and she's gone gray. And she's just sitting there, she can't move. But I get a full view. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, babe, there's a scalpel, right? And she's gone like, I don't know if you can go like a mix between yellow and gray, but that's what color she went. And she's changing color. And then this was my favorite bit, right? They got the scalpel, they got the scalpel, and they put it in one end, and they sliced her open, okay? Sorry, I did warn you, right? I found it amazing. I watched the skin part, and I'm like, this is how Moses must have felt, the Red Sea parting. It's just like perfect, ping, and I'm going, babe, your seat. She's not happy, but I, I like it. 
And then they just went a little bit further. And I'm like, what's my baby? I'm protective dad. Don't go too deep. Be careful. And, and he's cutting her open, right? And then the next bit I wasn't ready for. He, he put his hands in, and then he began to tear it. Has anybody seen that? I'm sorry if, if you're pregnant this morning. And, uh, uh, I'm just glad that person who I know is pregnant isn't in. I did have a little scan. I don't think they are. Is, is she in? Okay, I do apologize. Sorry. Oh, there is one, Billy. You, you won't go through this. It's okay. Yours will be nicer. And then he got, his, he got his hands, right? And he started to tear it. Now, they hadn't told me. They told Sarah, but Sarah had forgot to tell me that she's going to get torn. I'm like, why are they ripping her open? I'm freaking out. And the, the next minute, Sarah's like, she's doing this, right? It's like a tumble dryer moving around, okay? And they're ripping her open. And apparently, if you tear, it heals better after it, which I didn't know. And they hadn't warned me. I just thought they were ripping my wife open. I wondered what was happening. I was traumatic. But here's the deal, right? You think, well, I was like, oh, that's terrible. What are you doing? They were getting under the skin. And it didn't look very nice. And Sarah, by the way, changed from yellow to green. That was when she started moving, she was green. It didn't look very nice. She couldn't feel anything. She got the epidural thing going on. So she was fine at the time. After that's another thing. But she didn't really feel it. And it, it did look a bit uncomfortable. But they were getting under the skin. Why? Because they needed to get under the skin to get out the most beautiful thing that's in there, which was my daughter. And if we didn't let them get under the skin, we wouldn't see what was underneath what's so amazing now I was okay with the scalpel because I thought well he's a doctor he knows what he's doing or a surgeon sorry if I'll be corrected he's a surgeon he 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 knows how to use the scalpel he's used it a thousand times I got to trust somebody else to receive a little bit of pain so that we can get under the skin and actually get out what's the best in you Nathan's come in to get out the best of you They don't just come in to find out what's wrong about you. They need to get under the stuff that's not good so they can get into what's good and get the best out of you. And on that occasion, Sarah's being cut open. I'm thinking, yeah, but if we don't get under the skin, we're never going to see what's so beautiful. And I'm so glad they did and got Grace out. And we now, you know, we live in the blessing of who she is. Nathan's get under your skin. They are welcome intruders. It doesn't kind of mix, does it, that? He's a welcome. You welcome somebody, but they're intruding. You know those people that come around your house? You welcome them, but they intrude. Was that just me? I'm just kidding. But you know, people are like that sometimes. God can send a person into your life. On this occasion, Nathan was welcome, but he also intruded. It's interesting how David responds when he gets under the skin. He says, those people, that is wrong. We need to kill them. We need to get them, sorry, and punish them for killing these, this, this babe, this you lamb. You see, sometimes when people get under our skin, our reaction can be defensive. David's reaction was defensive when Nathan spoke to him. He knew David. He trusted David. David wasn't somebody who just popped up. He was someone who he'd got to know and experienced in life. He was a person in his court, person in his world. And he came and told, told him something. Next minute, he reacts very angrily. He reacts out of his pride. He reacts out of his guilt, actually, underneath it all, and becomes defensive. And I want to encourage you, when people get under your skin, let's not just react, but actually, let's think it through a little bit more. Why? Because Nathan's are good for us. They're here to 
encourage us, empower us, to edify us, to make us better. But you know, Nathan just popped up. They pop up to just test the temperature, the moral temperature. How are you doing? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Everybody says it on a Sunday. How are you doing? Well, I don't tell you everything. (laughs) Are you really asking me how I'm doing? Nathan's come and ask you. They come into your world. They pop up. Not like them pop-ups. Who invented them pop-ups on the computers? They are evil. It's like pop-up. I don't want to know about that. I'm trying to do this. And all of a sudden, pop-up. Nathan's not one of those that annoy you. Nathan's one that comes in who wants the best for you. He may get under the surface. He may cause a reaction. But I want to encourage you, don't dismiss Nathan. Don't dismiss your reaction. Be careful your reaction and think it through a little bit more. So Nathan's get under your skin. The second thing that Nathan's do is they ask questions. Nathan's job wasn't to just to point out the problem. Nathan's job was to get the person to think about their wrong behavior and to change. Here are three questions that I believe, I think God asks us at times. The first one is this. He asks us questions to comfort us. Here's a question. He says this. Is there anything too hard for God? What a great question that is. That comes to comfort you. Allow those people that come into your life to comfort you. Is there anything too hard for God? I know you're facing this situation. I know it's very difficult. But is there anything too hard for God? That comforts you and builds you up. The second question that you can have is this. This is a challenge. Where are you? Adam, in the beginning, he sins. God says, Adam, where are you? It's a challenge to think about yourself, to think about your, your moral temperature, to think about your attitude, to think about you know, your, your life, to think about my eternity. Where am I? Do I know that I'm saved? Do I know I'm forgiven? Do I know that I'm loved? Where am I at with this? Is it challenging me in my life to think about, do I actually go deeper and know the truth? So God comes with a question to comfort. He comes to, with a question to challenges, remembering he's, not, he's here to encourage us and empower us. He's not here to condemn you to make you feel bad. He's here to make you feel better and pull you out of your badness. And the third question is this, they come to convict. To really get you to think about what you believe deep down. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Oh, Jesus, it said, hurt. It hurt Peter. Jesus hurt Peter because of the question that he asked him. He didn't ask him, he didn't say, is there nothing impossible? God can build his church. Is there nothing too hard for God? He didn't say that. He said, Peter, do you love me? Ah, of course I love you. And he takes him deeper and he convicts him at a deeper level to actually think about what he believes. And he says to him, right then, this is what I want you to do. Go feed my sheep. Care and love for people. Care and love for people. I want to encourage you to allow those questions into your life. And the next thing that Nathan does is this. So Nathan, he gets under your skin, he asks questions, and the next one is this, he tells the truth. We need some people in our lives that will tell us the truth. Not just come and say, well, this is the truth. No, 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 come with a heart of love and grace to believe in us and tell us the truth when we need to hear it. 
not just ask the questions, but to tell us what we need to hear. What I love about Nathan is this, the way in which he gets to David to work out that he's the man. He doesn't just go straight to him and say, this is the truth, David, you're a sinner. How many of us have tried that with people? Do you know you're a sinner and you need to believe in Jesus? I don't want to know about that. It doesn't work, does it? Anybody tried it? Sometimes it might work, but most of the time it doesn't work because there's another way that God needs to get to that person in order that God gets the glory. Nathan doesn't go direct. He, he moves David from third person, he's very clever, to second person. Any story writers in here? Right, you're writing third person. It's all about them, them, them. It's nothing to do with me. Oh, them people, it's nothing to do with me. I left church, nothing to do with me. Well, it's your reaction. No, no, it's nothing to do with me, it's all them. It's that, it's the past. It wasn't my fault, third person. Are you getting it? We blame everybody else, third person. If you're gonna grow, you have to move from third person. You have to go into second person. Well, how's this affected David? How's this affected me? What am I doing in this? And then what does he do? He moves him to first person. You're the man. He shifts him, third person, second person, first person. Don't just go at a person, first person. It doesn't work. You have to have a story. You have to have the word of God on your side. You have to have some wisdom to get them to where God wants them to get them so that they can understand where they're at. David eventually comes down to first person and he understands the truth which hurts. He faces the consequences of his sin, some of which God allows him to to face, to understand there are consequences to our actions. But the good thing about this is this. David still is able to be redeemed and restored and to see the kingdom and carry on as king. And even greater than that, to see his great, 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 I'll do it, great, 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 grandson, Jesus Christ, the savior of the world, come through him. God could have eradicated that like that, but he didn't. In his love and in his grace, in his mercy, he still gives David the promise and he still sees through David great things happen. He still sees his name made great. God says, I will make your name great. He doesn't give up on David. He comes to tell him where he's in sin, but he actually doesn't give up on him. He still believes in him. He still loves him. And I want to encourage you, allow a Nathan in your life, somebody who encourages, somebody who empowers, but actually somebody who gets under your skin, who irritates you a little bit, but actually gets you to walk in the truth of what God thinks about you. God wants to make his name great, and he wants to make your life great. Whether you believe that or not, allow God's greatness to get under the skin of you so that you can believe in yourself, you can be empowered And you can be all that God's got for you. I'm going to read the definition of an editor. Which I was shocked when I read it. Because I thought, wow, this is what Jesus does with our life. This is what we're called to do. This is what God's called to do. And this is the job that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. When we read the Bible, when we align our lives up with the truth, this is what the Holy Spirit's job is in our lives today. Jesus is on the throne. He's given us his word, his truth. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead us and edify and change us. Listen to the definition of an editor. It's relating to the commissioning. Sound familiar? It's relating to the commissioning or preparing of material for publication. Are you hearing that? So an editor's job is to commission you, 
commission or prepare material for publication. God's job is to prepare you and commission you with a mission so that your life is a message out here in the world, so that it becomes public and a demonstration of God's love. David's life, his public life, was not good in the, it, 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 that moment when Nathan came. And Nathan knew that the message of faith, of hope and love was going somewhere where it shouldn't be going. And Nathan turned up to say, I got a message for you today, David. There's a message from heaven and you need to hear about it. Don't let go of the message and the hope that you've got this morning. I want to encourage you to allow Nathan's into your life. Allow somebody to encourage you, empower you, Allow yourself to be prepared more and more for the mission that God's got for you. It's not a quiet mission. It's not a mission there you don't tell anybody. It's a mission that becomes public. But it's only going to happen if you allow the editor into your life. If you allow the one who edifies, who changes, who builds up, who equips you for the mission. You say, well, how am I going to tell my neighbor about Jesus? Well, God can equip you for the mission. He can edify you. He can help you on this journey. The truth is this. He's already given you everything you need. You just need to change the way. We need to change the way that we think in here. Is there anything in this world that's too difficult for God? Let's get back to the question. How are they going to get saved? Is there nothing too difficult for God? Come on, church. All we have to do is get on with the plan, like David did. He allowed Nathan back in, and his life changed. You see, Nathans want to give us a voice back when we've lost it. And we've all been lost. We're all lost or broken in some way. And Nathan lines us back up to God's word and God's message. He lines us back up to put our faith in God again. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, there's always a chance to come to God and to be restored. There's always a chance to get back on with the hope that he doesn't remove. And there's always a chance to discover again, no matter what we've done, that we are loved. Church, you're loved. How do we know that? Because God sent his one and only son so that he could forgive us of all our sin could change our hearts and take us on a journey so that we could make his message public he's not going to do it he's already made it public hanging on a cross for you and me he got under his skin I'm sure he did he got under his skin so that he could get under your skin could change your heart, change your life, change your future. Let us just bow our heads and pray. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you think, well, I'm a believer, but I've lost my voice. You know, there's no condemnation in God. Nathans are not people that come with a message of doom. They come with a message of hope. They come with a message of inspiration to put your faith in God. And maybe you just lost your voice a little bit, you know? Maybe you've lost your confidence in, in what you believe and today's your day. I want you to make a decision that I'm not going to back down. I'm going to believe God's message like never before. And I'm going to make a stand to make this message public. And maybe here, 
And I'm just going to pray for you if you've lost your voice. That you'd let someone under your skin allow God in afresh and allow him to breathe newness of life in and through you. So Father, I just pray for this. And if you're here, you're going to make this decision in your heart. You're a Christian. I'm going to pray that God would reveal his truth to you and would rebuild you, restore an area of your life. But just make this decision in your heart. So Father, we just pray for people here who've maybe lost their voice a little bit. That God, you are the God who restores. You are the God who rebuilds. And I just pray, Father, that God, you would send them somebody if they need somebody. You would use me to speak to them today if that is so. Whatever it takes, that they would let you under their skin and that they would get their voice back again. They would get their voice back in their home. They would get their voice back in their job. They would get their voice again in this world. In Jesus' name. And you know, if you've got a voice and you're saying, well, I've already got my voice, I want to encourage you. Go and find people who haven't got a voice and be a voice for them. You know, people who write letters for children in compassion, it's about kids who've lost their voice and you're writing a letter to believe in them so their voice can come back again. And there are other situations that you can go into. Maybe somebody at work who's been mistreated or whatever and they're being put down. Go and stand up for them. Go and stand with them. Go and be there for them and be a voice with them. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, I don't really know what you're on about, Paul, but I like some of the things you say. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a believer. You've never put your faith, or even you've been to church a few times and you've not put your trust in God. I want to encourage you this morning to put your trust in God. Trust Him in your heart. Trust Him that He loves you. Trust Him that He forgives you. Trust Him that He died for you. And believe in Him this morning. And if that's you, I'm going to pray. And I want you to pray in your heart to believe in Jesus this morning. So Father, we just pray this morning for people who don't know you, who maybe feel a bit lost in this world, wondering where they fit in. They don't know what their voice is. They don't know why they're here. We just pray for them right now. And as they just pray with me in their heart, Jesus, we trust you. We believe in you. We thank you that you loved us. Amen. You know, if you made that decision this morning, I encourage you, come and speak to me. Don't go and not tell anybody. Don't confess that you've made that decision. Come and tell us, and I'd love to pray for you so that you will feel empowered, encouraged, and go in this life with a message of hope this week. Should we stand? We all need a Nathan. Some of you are too tired now. You've been sitting down long enough, haven't you? You know, I'm going to sing this song now, and I want you to sing it as a response because I believe we've all got a song in our hearts. I believe we've got a new song. We've got a song in our hearts. And I want to encourage you, as part of this getting your voice back, that you sing it with all your heart. Sing it with everything that's in in you for what God has done for us. And this week, go away with a message, with a voice for this world. Thank you.